0: I want you to turn with me to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not Seen, For by faith, or through faith, the elders obtained a good report. That means God gave them a good report card. They got down through life and they got their grades. God only has two grades to give when life is over. He has an A or an F. Right? So, So these who had faith came down to the end of the life and got their report card. And it was good. Their faith bore witness that they were pleasing to God. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now what that simply says is it is your faith that allows you to believe in creation. That everything that exists did formerly not exist but was brought into existence by the spoken word of God. You believe that. You would stake your life on it. You are resting your life on that. You believe that. See, to believe in Jesus is to believe in the Father as well and everything about the Father. When you There's not any conglomerate, there's not any part of God or His truth that you can take and say, well, I'll take this part and I'll not take this part. You take you take the whole package. You take all that God is and all that God has done when you take any of God. When you take any of Christ, you don't just take Christ. Some people say, well, we'll, we'll take God the Father, we'll take God the Creator, but we will not take Christ the Son. You don't take Christ the Son without taking Christ, God the Father. You've got to have God the Father if you get the God, God the Son. And you can't have God the Son without God the Father. You get the whole trinity. If you get one, you get all, right? So this is true. We believe through faith. We believe in creation. Now look at verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by he being dead yet speaketh. Now that means that Abel, the reason why he offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain was that he was doing exactly what God said and what God had revealed to him, the sacrifice that God had appointed. He wasn't inventing another way of God. What God hates is someone inventing a new way or a different way to him. And so Abel came the right way to God. He brought the proper sacrifice, the acceptable sacrifice and God was pleased with it, and he accepted it. Now, Cain's vegetables that he grew must have been beautiful and outstanding. The first, some of the first vegetables ever grown in God's good earth. And they must have been a beautiful sight to behold, but they were not acceptable. They were rejected because they were not what God had appointed. And to offer them was not faith, Offering them was disobedience. And they were rejected. Disobedience is rejected. When you don't do what God says, you're rejected. In fact, there is a correlation, there is an intimate connection between faith and obedience. Basically, they're inseparable. Faith brings obedience. If you believe, you obey. Disobedience is unbelief. And so that's why Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Now, in verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We don't know much about Enoch, but we do know this he didn't die. He went directly, nonstop, into glory. He bypassed the worms and the corruption of physical death and was translated a precursor, a preview of that glorious day when the Lord will one day descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ, of course, will rise first. But those that happen to be alive and remain upon the earth will be translated, changed, instantaneously in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Well, he got to be translated because he had this testimony that he pleased God. Well, what about Abel? Did he have a testimony that he pleased God? Yes, he did. And then in verse 6, the commentary, But without faith it is impossible to please him, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now scoot on down with me to verse 32. Take up the story again. Hebrews 11 beginning of verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Now those we would say were positive, immediate blessings, these things resulting from their faith. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, and others were tortured. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about the consequences of faith here. Same faith. Consequence, different. Others were tortured. That's the exact opposite of having your dead raised to life again or having um, waxed valiant and turning to flight the armies of the aliens tortured, torture lay at the end of their faith, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection, they had something more permanent in view than their temporary welfare, and others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. I do not know, when I read this, I shudder to think about the description of being sawn in two. Can you imagine having a coal-bladed steel of some sort begin to cross your belly button as you're alive and being sawed in two? Why? Why were they sawed into? Why were they tortured? Why were they mocked cruelly? Because of their faith. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, And in mountains, the reason why? Because they were driven out of their homes. They were banished from their communities. They had to give up hearth and home. And they had to go into exile and go into hiding. They were wandering about in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Remember that the next time you lay your head on your soft pillow at night? Remember what some have experienced because of their faith. And these all, having obtained a good report, all of them, who were so mentioned here, had obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Our walk on the other side of this world will be entirely by sight. And it'll be a glorious thing to be able to walk by sight. That is to see God. We will see God, will we not? We will see Jesus. In fact, when the scripture scripture declares, when the Lord returns, we will see him as he is. And we will be like him. And from that point, when we see Jesus as he is, we will no longer, as it were, be walking by faith. We will be walking by sight. And we will have the full realization and the full substantive, tangible, physical, sightful experience of all that God has promised and all that God is right before us And it will no longer require faith on anyone's part to believe in God or to believe in resurrection or to believe in anything that this holy book promises. We will walk by side. But our walk on this side of life is by faith. And it must be by faith. You must walk by faith. Now, I know that you would like as an individual believer to enjoy a continual flow. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you like in your own personal experience to have a continual flow of the sensible presence of God in your soul to the point that you never felt destitute, you never felt cast down, you never felt lonely, you never felt forsaken, you never felt dismayed, you never were confused. Wouldn't you like to have a continual flow of the sensible presence of God where you just feel the Lord all the time. Wouldn't you like that? I mean, we love those precious moments when God draws near to our soul. But alas, is it like that? Are not you often cast down? Often do you not feel in your own personal experience, Lord, where are you? You reflect the words of the psalmist that says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? So you go through times in which you're desolate and your soul is dry. And you cry out, Oh, you need a reviving and a touch from the Lord. It is times, and in such times, and there are many times. I can remember when I first got right with the Lord, my soul was so overcome with the sensible presence of God that I was I was like the Apostle Paul. I felt like I had been caught up to the third heaven and saw things and heard things that were unlawful to utter. I mean, God had given me such manifestations of His presence and His person and His reality in my soul that I thought, man, this is the Christian life. I tell you, I cannot wait to live the rest of my days in this glorious presence of the living God in my soul. I said, it's going to be like this. I can remember laying on my back in the summertime, looking up to heaven, having these sweet revelations of the Spirit in my soul thinking, it's just going to get better. Boy, was I in for an experience. It wasn't long. It wasn't long after I began to walk with the Lord, and I had such precious manifestations of His sensible presence in my life. It wasn't long that I seemed to sense that the Lord had departed. And I was cast into this terrible, terrible degree of temptation and terrible degree of, of. and I didn't understand at the time, the work of demons and the work of the enemy to much extents. I was just a babe in Christ but I began to experience tremendous, even when I was in the worship service and I would be singing the presence of God. I would begin to experience some of the most confusing and bewildering things running through my own soul when I was there in the presence of the Lord with his people and I was hearing the word of God and I desired to worship God and I thought these thoughts that must be flooding into my mind where are they coming from? Why are they there? I began to have such unusual temptation and such wicked things crossed my mind while I was there in the worship service of God, things that I have never even thought about before when I was in my lost estate. Beloved, is it not when we are under trial in our souls and when we have no... Sensible comforts of God's Holy Spirit moving within our being that we must walk by faith and not by sight. If we go on in a period like that, if you go on with the Lord, if you continue on with the Lord, it cannot be by feeling, can it? It must be by faith. We like to see in our lives, some tangible evidence of the success of our witness. You, many, Some of you parents have been witnessing to your children and you haven't seen much success. Some of you have been witnessing to people at work and you haven't seen much success. And we, Some of us have been witnessing in our churches and we haven't seen much success. <laughs> we would like to see some tangible manifestations of the blessing of God on our preaching and our witness. But it seems that We go on from week to week and from month to month and in some cases even from year to year with little results. We see no, no tangible progress. We don't see any blessing upon our witness or our testimony to our family or our friends. Is it not in such times that we must continue, if we are going to continue on, if we are going to go on, must it not be by faith? For you see, we must be saved by faith. There is nothing that pleases God anymore. It's a wonderful thing for you to feel the sensible presence of God, but it's a better thing for you in a period of dryness and darkness in your soul to continue on believing and continue on to walk and work for Him by faith. That pleases Him more. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. And when you are exercising faith, though you do not feel exactly right, though you do not see the desired results, though you do not enjoy some of the comforts that you have known in the past, it it is by faith that you continued on. So our walk on this side of life is by faith, not by sight. But let me tell you, faith does have eyes, does it not? The scripture declares in verse 1 and gives us a definition of faith and basically it's saying that through faith, and faith is the gift of God, it's nothing you can conjure up within yourself. It is nothing. You do not have some kind of gland in your body that produces faith. Faith, indeed, is the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And faith enables you to believe in God and trust in God and obey God and act upon His Word. Though you do not see, though you do not feel, though you do not have many of the blessings that you might want to experience, faith enables you to believe in God, follow God, obey the Word of God, act in obedience, Though you do not see, though you do not feel, as surely as if God were visible. Faith puts substance and assurance into your being of those invisible spiritual realities that you do not see. And it causes you to act upon the existence of a living God, though you cannot see the living God. It causes you to press on following the Lord. Although you are going through nothing but trial and inner tribulation, faith enables you to continue and press on for the hope of that better resurrection, though you have no scientific evidence at all that there is going to be a resurrection. Faith in God is pleasing to you. Faith has eyes. And the Christian carries on his life now as if he really were seeing those things that are not seen. In fact, the Christian living by faith really would not act any differently in his life. Anymore as if, even if he were taken up into the presence of Jesus himself and see and hear From his very mouth those things and those promises that are recorded in this book. And you've seen heaven with your very literal eyes. And you had tangible experience in glory of those things. And you were brought back down to this earth. You would really, by faith, you are living and acting on this word just as much and just as surely and truly as if you had been there and seen it for yourself. Well, faith does. It puts substance to things hoped for. You know, what gives your faith value is the object of your faith and not your faith itself. Just faith, per se, saves no one. It's not your faith in itself that means anything. It's the object of your faith that gives your faith value. And it's faith in the Son of God that saves you. It is faith in the Word of God that saves you. And that's why even weak faith, little faith, will save you. It is not the strength of your faith. It's the object of your faith. I like that illustration, Charles, you used down in Bentley this time concerning the bridges. Strong, really it is true, strong confidence in a rotten bridge will get you killed. In our part of the country, we have some beautiful trout streams. That's streams in which rainbow trout live. We had a, in in the Red River, the Little Red River up in Heber Springs several years ago, about the turn of the century, a little before, they had a, built this beautiful swinging bridge over the Red River at this particular spot. It was a beautiful spot, but through the years, it was made out of steel cables, and it had wood planking across it, and it had been used for several years. But about 10 or 12, 20 years ago or so, the bridge became a, a danger. It was Old and deteriorated, so the highway department uh, shut it off and kind of made a a little uh, park around the bridge. And they put up these signs: danger, keep off this bridge. And it, you know, like I say, it looks, looks sound enough. That is, the boards were all intact, but they were weathered and they were rotten. And there were danger signs everywhere not to go on the bridge. Well, a couple of years ago, there was this Pentecostal youth group that was up there at the park, and they decided they had faith enough to get out on that bridge. And so they, about 25 or 30 of those youth, got out and walked out in the middle of that swinging bridge, and it was something like about 50, 60 feet high over a rocky precipice in the river below. Well, they got out there on that bridge, and nothing happened. And so they were pretty excited about it. And they had faith enough to get out on it. They had faith enough to begin swinging the thing. So they got the cables and began, as a whole crew, to begin to swing that thing. You know what happened? The whole mess snapped and came crumbling down, and about 12 of those young people were killed. Faith in a rotten bridge will get you killed but little faith in a strong bridge will see you safely over. Right? See, it's not, again, it's not your faith per se that saves you. It's the object of your faith. And if the object of your faith is strong, did you know that Jesus often in, a, in the Gospels addressed us all as being of little faith? And it's true. We really are. I admit it, I'm of little faith, and you are too. Little in comparison to the object of, In which our faith rests. We ought to have unwavering, total, unshaken confidence, bold, strong, magnificent faith in our God. For his greatness and his power and his ability. His limitless nature. Oh, we ought not to falter at all in our faith. But we're of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. But thank God even little faith. Yea, faith even as a grain of mustard seed will enable you to walk into heaven and see God. So faith has eyes, but also faith has consequences. Did you notice it in the scripture? Let me ask you the question here. How come Abel's faith led to his death? Did you notice that? By the hands of an envious and outraged brother. While in the very next verse, Enoch's faith in God... Led him to missing death altogether. you see that? Did you notice it? because of Abel's faith it got him killed murdered his young life cut short. that was the result of his faith that was the end that is the immediate end. Result, the immediate end result, not the final end result. Whereas Enoch, why, his faith led him to miss death altogether. And be translated, was Abel's faith weaker, more inferior to Enoch's? No, same faith. Does faith, strong faith, always result in good immediate things being given to you or happening to you, does it? No. We see in our text that believing and obeying God can result in some very either positive things happening to your immediate experience or they can result in some very negative things coming into your experience. Or, not to your experience alone, to those around you. Because you see, your faith in God not only affects your life, it affects those around you. Your faith may affect your family. For instance, what about these martyrs who had children? Their faith not only affected their life, their faith affected their children's lives. How about those widows that were left? Those orphans that were left? The faith of their father affected the well-being and the welfare of their children. That's what my question is. We see in our text, believing and obeying God doesn't necessarily always have to result in something immediately positive. There can be some very negative things happen to you because of your faith. And it all depends. And listen to this. Here's my first and chief point. Every situation and scenario in life that the believer faces is a unique providence of God. And there cannot be and there will not be a one answer fits all from heaven to your faith and obedience. In one situation, in one scenario of life, Faith, obedience should result, should result in an immediate negative outcome. And if there was a good, comfortable result, it would be the evidence of unbelief and disobedience. In another scenario and situation, the exercise of faith should result in some very positive outcomes and blessings. And if you continued in the crisis, if you continued in the trouble, or the problems continued, it would be the fruit of unbelief and disobedience. What is the consequences of faith? God is showing us in this passage that a faith, report card a faith, good report faith, the same faith, the outcome can be completely different at times all of these people in hebrews 11 had the same faith the same manifest approval of god and yet their experience of the consequences of that faith and approval of god was in that situation diametrically different let me give you a summary and i don't want to read all the chapter but here's a summary abel as i mentioned got to die as a result of his obedience Enoch's obedience and faith led to his translation and missing death. Noah's faith resulted in getting to save his family and take them with him. Abraham's faith enabled him to leave his family behind. When Abraham had a son by Sarah, it was the manifestation and the evidence of faith. When Abraham had a son by Hagar, it was the result of disobedience and unbelief. By faith, at one time in his life, Abraham got to have his own baby boy. And what a thrill and a joy that was to see Isaac born and it was through faith. Later in life by faith Abraham got to kill this baby boy. And Though God stayed his hand, he had in his heart slain him. You see, in one case, faith resulted in something immediately good and one case, faith brings a trial, brings a suffering. By faith, Moses, we're said it was the faith of his parents. Because of their faith, Moses got to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Later on, by his own faith, Moses gave up this position of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. By faith, the Hebrews passed through the Red Sea. And when the Egyptians did it, it was rank unbelief. Had the Hebrews not passed through the Red Sea, it would have been unbelief. Had the Egyptians not passed, it would have been faith. By faith, many received great victories and deliverances. In verse 33, who through faith they subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. By faith, many of the same quality of faith and the same love of God were tortured and destroyed. In Acts chapter 7, the deacon Stephen's faith led to only one sermon being preached and no results, basically, at the immediate times. Of course, we know that Paul saw was touched. But you might say, oh, by faith I'm going to have a great and successful ministry. Look at Stephen! His faith, preaching the Word of God, led to his stoning. In chapter 8, Philip the deacon's faith led him to great evangelical success and great usefulness. In Acts chapter 12, James the apostle gets to be killed with the sword because of his faith. Peter, who is locked up in prison awaiting the same outcome, gets to be miraculously delivered because of faith. On one hand, faith can make you an A student. On the other hand, faith can result in an F in a particular class. In one case, faith will bring healing to the body. In another case, faith is followed by sickness and death. On one hand, a Christian can experience a tremendous blessing of joy and full of glory because of his faith. And on the other hand, a Christian can experience unutterable misery and sorrow and disappointment because of his faith. You see it all the time, do you not? The consequences of faith are not universally the same. I thought about this. I don't believe that the truth is receiving equal time on the evangelical airways of our day, do you? We have all these preachers coming in saying, something good is going to happen. Yeah, you know, I remember Oral Roberts had begin his ministry with that. Something good is going to happen to you today. I need to get me a television ministry. Come on with the air. Something bad is going to happen to you today because of your faith. We got these guys saying, Believe God for your healing. I want to come on there. I said, Come on, let's believe God for your sickness. Wouldn't that be as biblical? How about it? Let's believe God for your miracle. Let's come on. Let's believe God for your misery. Let's believe God for your success. How about believing God for your failure? How about believing God for your provision? What about believing God for your poverty? I'm telling you, beloved, one consequence does not suit all situations. The outcome of your faith does not always result in the same consequence. Now, you might say, well, is God arbitrary? Is he a respecter of person? Is he fickle? Is he unpredictable? Why does he give one saint a good immediate blessing for his faith while rewarding another saint with the same faith and obedience? Pain, loss, suffering, problems trials, now you hear me, you tune in here, what determines the kind of response we get from God because of our faith in certain situations is not what best suits us and our feelings, but what best glorifies God and confirms His truth to the world. And in some situations, if you were to get by well because of your faith, the truth would not be confirmed to the world, and God would not be best glorified. And in some situations, if you were to get and continue on in something miserable or bad, God's truth would not be confirmed, and God would not be best glorified. And I want to tell you, folks, the Lord God Almighty micromanages the effects and consequences of faith. It cannot be said that every situation should be rewarded with a positive outcome. It cannot be said that every situation should be rewarded with a negative outcome. The immediate consequence or outcome or answer in your case, listen to this, the immediate consequence or outcome or answer in your situation is not the test of whether you have faith or whether you are pleasing to God. What you're experiencing. You say, many times we we sometimes heap guilt upon ourselves because the situation we in are not what another brother... We see another brother that, for instance, we see in a family and their children are all obedient. They're walking with God. And, and we think, what am I doing wrong? My children don't know the Lord. My children are not following God. I must not be a pleasing to the Lord. The Lord must have something against me. You ever felt that? Beloved, well, I mean, you don't judge... the the worthiness of your faith by the immediate outcome of your situation. In some cases, life, healing, deliverance, help, relief, positive things are exactly what will bring the greatest glory to God and will be the best confirmation of His truth. You find that scattered through the book of Acts when God worked miracles. I'm convinced, you know, We have those miracles recorded in the Gospel and in the book of Acts, and I'm convinced not everybody in the Bible who was associated with Christ and His church, not everybody got healing. Many of them did, but not everybody. I'm convinced in the book of Acts, all those that are associated with the church, not everybody got immediate relief and wondrous works of miracles, but those that did get them, there was a mighty confirmation of God's truth in that situation. In one case, relief and comfort and deliverance and help and escape from trouble would be the very things that dishonor God and bring reproach upon His truth. That's what Hebrews 11.35 points out. Listen to it. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. What does that mean? That means that Had a good outcome come to them in their situation, God would have been dishonored. They were in situations that had they denied the Lord and denied their faith or compromised what they knew to be true, had they been that they were in a pressure situation, that pressure was put upon them to deny the Lord, to deny the faith, to deny what they knew to be true, and they could have walked. They could have gone free. They could come home to welcoming warm arms. But had they come home to their joyous children and their appreciative wife, they would have dishonored God and grieved the Spirit, having compromised and denied the faith. So what did they do? They stood firm and they said, I'll take it. They were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. Beloved, get this point. Pleasing God and obeying God in any situation is your appointed duty and it ought to be your goal. And your goal is not to look for any particular immediate outcome or temporary miracle. The main purpose of your faith is to trust God, to believe in God, and to obey God and not to expect any particular immediate blessing. I have read the book of Daniel several times, and I'm convinced that there's no evidence that I can see that that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, when they went in, were cast into the fiery furnace, I don't know, I don't think that they had absolute confidence that God was going to step in there and deliver them. Do you remember what they told Nebuchadnezzar? They said, in essence, he he. he He gave them a chance to renege and to compromise and let them walk. if they would just bow. And they said, we're not careful to answer thee, O king, about this matter. The God whom we serve is able to deliver us from you and this burning, fiery furnace. He's able. But if not, even if he doesn't, he's still God. See, what happens to us doesn't we're not the only representatives of God in this world. God's able. He can. But he didn't have to. We're not going to bow. We're going to believe. Now God did step in, didn't he? I think the same thing's no doubt true of Daniel when he faced the lion's Then, I don't think he really knew he was getting old and elderly. He knew God could, of course, had complete confidence that God was able. The king didn't necessarily have that confidence, but he said he hoped, he said, may the God whom you serve deliver you from the lions. But he went in, in faith. What my point is this, beloved, the main purpose of your faith is to please God and obey Him. Not looking for any particular immediate, this or that. In fact, faith results in a good report. And a good report and pleasing God is something separate from the results. Our main goal in this world is not getting this or that, rather honoring God, staying firm with God, Continuing to trust God and obtaining when this life is over a good report. Beloved, let me tell you what best glorifies God is not always for us to know or say. I'm sure that many of us wouldn't have walked or be walking now in the path that has been appointed to us. Because it's hard. It's not what we. It's not easy on the flesh. It's difficult. It's pressure. It hurts. It causes you to suffer. You'd have relief. You'd have escape. You'd have it different. But if you had it different. It wouldn't best glorify God. It wouldn't best confirm his truth it wouldn't best show that the hand that presses you down is also the hand that is sustaining you and holding you up in the midst of the furnace, in the midst of the tribulation. A suffering soul who continues in faith and obedience while being sent bitter disappointments may very well be more glorifying to God than other brethren who are seeing a miraculous deliverance in that particular area. But one thing about the man of faith, whether the outcome is beneficial or immediately pleasing or whether the outcome is suffering and hard, the true believer knows that God is God. Either way it goes. Did you hear the good news over the airways this morning? They found seven of the soldiers that had been prisoners. wouldn't have thought anything more about killing them than eating them. A piece of goat. God's hand was there. The outcome, well, I heard a man's testimony this morning. He said, my faith has been strengthened because my son is coming home. What about that father whose son is not coming home that had a bullet put through his skull? What about him? Can his faith be strengthened as well? Yes. Yes. What I'm saying is, folks, what best glorifies God is not for us to say. And what puts us in a crucible of testing our faith? The trial of your faith is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire. Besides, if you're a believer, you're always blessed for having believed. It's always going to be good for you. Or believing because you may not feel well in your flesh and you may have very many struggles and pains in your outward mortal situation but if you're obeying God and believing in God you got peace in your heart I'll tell you the three Hebrew children may have not known how the outcome would have come out that day they went in the furnace fiery furnace but I'll tell you this they had peace when they went there. but let me tell you when you're walking with God you're doing what's right and obeying the word you got peace Wonderful peace. So when you when you believe God, when you trust God, there is that inner confirmation and assurance that you're doing what's easy to the Lord. Even though the immediate outcome of your situation may be hard or difficult, let me point out this, folks. Whether you get a glorious, miraculously positive deliverance or whether you get a a bitter pill of suffering all of this that you're seeing immediately in your experience is just temporary anyway all soon to be over you see the saint that can say thank God God intervened in my case and healed my disease that's a wonderful thing what are you going to do Live five or ten more years twenty more years and the saint said well God hadn't stepped in on my disease, and He's gonna let me die. Well, you could just get to have, enjoy heaven twenty more years more than the other guy. Hey, we win! In either situation, we win, don't we, people of God? We can't lose by believing in God. Trusting in God, whatever the immediate circumstances, whatever the immediate outcome. And when you come down to the end of life's journey, and you're standing face before face before your maker, and God is handing out report cards on that day, and you get that big grade A, you get a smile from face to face. Oh, how glorious. You pass. You pass the these all pain good report for faith how faith in God though your prayers are unanswered how faith in God he watches over his own he cannot fail he must prevail have faith in God Have faith in God. Let's pray. We love you, Lord. How wonderful it is to know you as our Savior. We would like, Lord, you to introduce yourself to those in our midst that don't know you. Show them how sweet and precious and dear you are. Show them, dear Lord, that you make life worth living and physical death worth dying, knowing, dear Father, that we have a better resurrection ahead. Bless this church. Bless these dear elders. Bless the saints. Continue to minister to them. Continue to be with them whatever the immediate future holds. You've said in your word and we rest our hope in it that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We found it to be true, Lord. So faithful are you. We love you for it. We love you because you first loved us. And dismiss us this day in your tender care. May we go out into this lost, dying, unbelieving world being Good salt and good life to bear testimony of your great grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.